Today's scripture reading is going to come out of the Gospel of Matthew, or excuse me, the Gospel of Mark. I invite you to turn over there to the fourth chapter with me. I'm going to be sharing with you a parable that Jesus shared with his listeners, a parable that's actually found in Matthew and in Luke. It's uh, referred to as the parable of the sower. Starting in Mark chapter 4, verse 1, we read again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd had gathered around him. It was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plant was scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that, when they did not bear, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. As you are seated, we do have kingdom kids today. So all of our kiddos who are four years old through second grade are welcome to head over here to our kingdom kids workers who are going to Walk them over to our education, or over to our Christian Life Center upstairs, and they'll have a chance to worship at their level, and they'll have a great time. As we get started today, I have a disclaimer. As Marcia, my wife, pointed out in small group. When I get really tired, I'm either grumpy or goofy. And so you, we don't know. We don't know how this is going to go, all right? So just so you know, all right? Uh, I did have a, an amazing time with our students this weekend. Uh, Kevin Friesen and I were the uh, adult sponsors and for the guys. And so we had all the junior high and high school boys in our gym uh, sleeping on blow-up mattresses. It's been a while since I slept on a blow-up mattress. They have not made them any better than I remember. So um, working on just a little bit of sleep. So you just bear with. I think it may make this sermon shorter, but but I, I hesitate to say that because now your hopes are up. Now you think you think you're going to beat the Catholics to lunch, and I don't. I can't promise that. All right, there's just no guarantees. So you may be wondering why are we covering this portion of scripture. And for those of you who don't know, we are working through a Bible reading plan together as a church family. And if you're not on that plan yet, I'd really encourage you to jump in on it, okay? Uh, in the back as you leave today, both on the table in the sanctuary and in the, on the table in the foyer, when you exit, you will find um, a Bible reading plan. And it has all the instructions and information in it that you could possibly need. And uh, just know that each Sunday I'm preaching out of some portion of the New Testament reading. We're also reading Psalms and Proverbs along with it. But I'm going to be preaching out of some section of the New Testament. And I'm trying to look for themes and I'm also trying to look for overlap. Because one thing that you'll notice as we're reading together is um, while we're reading through the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, 
there is um, a lot of stories and commonalities between these accounts of Jesus' life, as you would expect. But they're also written by four distinct people, that God inspired these four humans to write this. And so you would expect that they're going to have a little bit of a different vantage point on Jesus' life. And that's exactly what we see. And so um, a lot of times we're covering um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all in one reading. And as I mentioned, in this particular, this particular week, there was one large uh, section here that was covered in all what's called the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Synoptic meaning seeming the same or looking the same or sounding the same. Because Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, tend to be a little bit more cohesive. And John's kind of out here. He's got a, he's got a um, not a very different take, but he just says God gave him a different way of looking at Jesus' life. And so it stands alone as a little bit different. But in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, we find this story of the parable of the sower. And this is pretty early on in Jesus' ministry. Uh, it may... It may surprise you to know that Jesus' earthly ministry really only lasted somewhere between two and three years. You know, that's when he came on the scene as a, as a public figure, as a minister or as a rabbi teacher. And really what he was known for is two pretty big things. One was his, uh, uh, his healing ministry or, or, or uh, ministry of miracles. Because it wasn't just healing, he did other things like turning water into wine was his first miracle. Uh, I know as Baptists, we don't like to talk about that, but that happened, okay? Um, you know, he walked on water. He did other miracles, but a lot of what got attention was his healing ministry. And so you had his miraculous ministry that included his healing ministry, and then you had his teaching ministry. These are the two big things that Jesus kind of explodes on the scene with is his ability to teach like no one else had taught. You could call it preaching. He definitely preached. He could teach and preach like no one, like they never heard anyone like him. In fact, as you're reading through the gospel accounts of your life, of Jesus' life, you'll see them say that. We've never heard anybody like this. He, he, he teaches with such authority. There's, there's no one out there who is able to teach like this guy. And so his teaching ministry and his miracles uh, really are what get him known in that area of the world. Now, what's interesting is in Jesus' teaching, uh, some, a lot of times he would use parables. He would tell a short little story that would be descriptive and vivid and, and uh, interesting, and, it would, and, and hidden within that story was a meaning, a message. And that's what a parable is. And you find here uh, the por portion of Mark 4 that I didn't read, which is that Jesus, um, I'll just read it. How about that? That way I don't get too off track. Starting in uh, verse 9 of Mark 4, he says, Whoever has ears, ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone with the twelve and the others around him, asked him about the parables. Because this is just one of the parables he had been teaching. And listen to what Jesus says about why he would teach in parables. He says, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they may turn and be forgiven. Now, what is Jesus saying here? I think fundamentally what he's saying, and it's set up with that verse 9, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. What he's saying is, listen, all these people are crowding in. They're interested. They're tuning in to what I have to say. But I want to talk to those who really want to hear it. 
What Jesus is saying is, I'm not interested in fans. I want people to follow me. I'm not interested in the applause of crowds. I am looking for disciples. People who want to come and learn a kingdom way of life. A way of living as sons and daughters of God in his kingdom. That's what I'm looking for. And so Jesus would tell these parables because in a parable, you can just hear a neat little story, right? We read those, we just heard a little neat story about sowing seeds. Yeah, that's how it goes. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Moving on. But to those who want to really know, they're going to lean in. And they're going to listen. And they're going to do what the disciples did, which is to ask follow-up questions. Like, what was that about? Again, can you clarify that? I want to understand. And that's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for those who want to lean in, who are hungry, who are interested. And so that's why he taught these parables. But he understood this. And that's what this parable is about, is he understood when I put the word out there, the word is the seed, the word is a message. What is a word? You string some words together, you get some sentences and a paragraph and a page and so on. What are you doing? You're, you're writing out a message. So when Jesus says the seed is the word, what he's saying is I'm putting a message out there. And I'm putting it out there for everybody. And for some, that message, that seed is going to sink down. And for others, it is not. Now as I'm reading that, what kind of comes to my mind is the reality that we are called to be seed sowers as well. This is not just Jesus' task. He gives that task to us. He says, I want you to be seed sowers. Listen, if you're a Christian, Jesus is saying, you need to be sowing seed like me. Where do we get that from? Matthew 28, he says that. He says, go, therefore, go and make disciples. He said, all authority has been given to me, and I'm sending you to go make disciples. In whose name? In his name. We are to go and teach what Jesus taught us. So you are to be seed sowers. But if you've been a seed sower, you know. It can be hard sometimes. You have someone you love, someone you care about that seems so far from God. You want them to know Jesus, and they don't. You want them to be close to God, but they seem so distant. You keep sowing that seed, and you keep seeing it land not on fertile soil. And it hurts, doesn't it? It's painful. The more you care about somebody, the more you should want them to know the love of Jesus, because there's nothing better than that. The love of Jesus says, I see you and I know you. I was telling this to the students this past weekend. To, for someone to say, hey, I know everything about you. Now, how would that hit your ears? What if I came up to you and said that? For just 20 bucks, I got your password to your email account and all your social media. And I've read everything. Now, what would you think? Now, some of you may be getting a little nervous. Now, I don't even know if you can do that, all right? I'm not on the black market on the website. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm not doing that, okay? But I'm just saying, like, imagine if someone really knew everything you've done, everything you've said, everything you've thought. Now, if I knew someone really knew that, I would... See, this is where I'm sleeping, and I would say something I shouldn't say. I would probably hire someone to take them out, you know what I mean? 
I don't want that person out there. I don't want them knowing all that stuff about me, right? So when we hear that, that God really does, he knows, by the nature of being God is that he knows. If he is God, then he knows everything about you. And that would be a frightening thing if it weren't for the fact that not only does he know you completely, but he loves you fully. He loves you. And that, if you've been a Christian for a while, this can hit you and you can just kind of move on from it. But, but it really shouldn't. It should always surprise you that the God of the universe knows how evil you and I are and yet still chooses to love us. That should be an amazing thing to us because it is an amazing thing. That's God. He knows you completely. And he loves you fully. This is the message that is to go out. This is the message that is to be heard and received. And this is the message if you, if you love Jesus and you love other people, which Jesus said those are the two greatest commandments, love your God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Like if you are trying, and if you're a Christian, you do feel compelled to do that, to love people and to love God, then you want those people you love to know that God that you love. Because the God that you love, you know first loved you. And he doesn't love you blindly. He doesn't love you with rose-colored glasses on. He doesn't love some perfect version of you that you post on Instagram with the filters and all that stuff. He loves the real you that you probably don't even know all that well. That's who he loves. The wicked evil me is combined with the Christ-centered nature in me. He, he loves all of me and wants to transform all of me. And if I know that, I want others to know that. And the truth is, is as much as I want them to know it, I can't make them know it. And I bet some of you know that pain. Someone you love, you want them to know the God that loves you. And they don't yet. And Jesus is saying, this is a reality in my ministry. And I think that that is a comfort to us to know that that's going to be a reality in our ministry as well. God has given you the ministry to be a, sow, a seed sower and to know that it's not always going to take root the first go. And not to get discouraged with that. But to keep planting that seed to the best of your ability. There's a second way in which we can look at this parable. <clears throat> which is to allow it to be a mirror to our own soul. To, to look into this par parable, and we're, we're going to read in just a moment uh, Jesus' explanation of the parable, but to look at this parable and say, okay, which, which soil am I? Which patch of ground best describes my heart? Let's take a look at this together. First one. Uh, so Jesus tells the parable. His disciples ask him about the parable. He gives this disclaimer, like, I want people leaning in. That's why I'm telling parables. And then he gets to the explanation in verse 13 of Mark chapter 4. Verse 13, then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Again, remember, the word is the message. The message is about Jesus. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. 
As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Now that's a, that's a tough one. In fact, that's the essence of this soil is that it's hard. It's hard ground. It's a path that is impenetrable. And because it is, that seed just lays on top and the opportunity for it to be taken away by a bird is great. And in this case, what it means is you may be hearing the word. You may not even want to be here. Someone may have drugged you here. You're here because you just don't want to deal with the argument or fight, so you just came along for the ride. Or maybe you're just flipping through the Facebook pages and you see our page and you're watching it or you've listening to this later on, whatever it might be, but, but you're not really all that interested. Your heart is hard towards God. And because your heart is hard towards God, it makes it easy for the enemy to come along and just snatch it up. Now, that's a challenging thing because as I thought, like, what do I say? What would you say to someone whose heart is, heart is so hard towards God that that message of God's love just hits them like a seed bouncing off of concrete. What, what can you say to someone who has such little interest in God? I just want to ask a few questions that you might consider if that's you. Where do you think you came from? Where did all of this stuff come from? Well, what do you have in mind about the reason? in which you are on this planet? How do you answer these fundamental questions of our existence and nature? And does that answer you have have the ring of truth and does it give you hope and peace? If not, if you believe nothing else, at least know this, the message of Christianity answers those questions in a way that fulfills and gives us hope. You may disagree with the message, but I don't think if you gave it an honest look, you could disagree with the fact that it does answer those questions. And it does give us a fundamental hope, both now and forever. And so you may be just not at all tracking with this whole Christianity thing, but it kinda, I, want, I just want to challenge you with the words of Jesus when he said, come and see. Just check it out. Wouldn't it be better to believe in Jesus and live like Jesus to find out that maybe Jesus wasn't who he said he was than to ignore Jesus and reject Jesus and find out Jesus is exactly who he said he was? Let's say you walk down the path of Jesus. You follow Jesus. You're like Jesus. What does that make you? Someone who loves their enemy? Someone who sacrifices himself for his friends. Someone who cares for people who are down and out. Children. Widows. People caught in sin. Someone who's gracious and loving and kind. Let's say you become a little bit more like Jesus. Wouldn't it be better to find out that this Jesus who you had question marks about, you still chose to follow and become more like? And thus your life was better because of it than to totally reject it altogether. Come and see. That's Jesus' invitation. Come and see. Check it out. 
Because Christianity is dealing with the most fundamental questions that I bet you've asked already. Wouldn't it be nice to know what billions claim to know? And see if there's any truth in it? Come and see. The second soil is a rocky patch. Rocky places. Not much soil there. The soil is shallow, so the seed does not have roots. Because the soil is shallow, it can get some quick nutrients and it quickly sprouts up. But listen to the words of Jesus in verse 16. He says, Others, like the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But they have no root. They last only a short time. When troubles or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Maybe you came to know Jesus at summer camp, at a church revival, uh, at a D-Now. And your enthusiasm for God just shot up. But like that soil that is in a rocky place and there's just not enough there for root to take place. And as soon as, the, as, soon as, as uh, trouble comes, because there is no root, that plant quickly goes away. What Jesus says here is that as soon, uh, what he says here is that as soon as they take root, they only last a short while because trouble or persecution comes because of the word. Some people get excited about Jesus and praise God for that. But when they find out Jesus actually calls you to follow him and following him requires taking up your cross and dying to yourself, some will say, well, I'm out. I'm all for the loving Jesus who's willing to forgive me, but I'm not here for the Lord of my life to take charge of my life, to be the boss of my life. I'm not here for the one who calls me to die to myself in service to him and others. I'm not down with that. What Jesus is saying is some will get excited about his message, but as soon as it costs them something, because their faith is shallow, they wither up. And you just got to know this, whether you're, if you're a Christian, or, or especially if you're not a Christian, or if you're a new Christian, you're exploring Christianity, you just got to know that Jesus is calling you to come and die. You also got to know this is a good thing. You and I, our sin nature, we need to die to it. Because there is something better to live for, God. There is something much better to live for. But in living for Him, we have to die to ourselves. These things are not optional. If you want to follow a Jesus that went to the cross, you have to follow Him to the cross. You have to die to yourself. That you might live for him. So if Christianity interests you, you just got to know it's going to cost you. It's going to give you everything you could ever need for the life God wants for you. But it will cost you everything. And if you're willing to give it all up, then God will take from you this life of sin that's centered on self. And he will replace it with a life full of Joy and hope and peace and love. Third soil. 
Jesus says, still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Some are on the cusp of Christianity, and yet the old way of living is tugging at them and pulling at them. Wouldn't it be better if you made more money? Wouldn't it be better if you took this opportunity? What about worrying about this and being fearful of this? What Jesus is saying is that some of you are walking towards me, but all of a sudden your eyes start to go elsewhere. You take your eyes off me. And you got your eyes on all this other stuff. Jesus says, you can't follow me like that. Imagine literally trying to follow someone. And you're looking at all the other places. Looking around everywhere else. Imagine driving down the road and you're trying to follow someone who's ahead of you. And you're checking out the billboards and the sites. What's going to happen? You're going to get lost pretty soon, right? You're going to... Look up and say, oh my goodness, where did they go? I don't know where I'm at. Of course, we've got GPS now, so that helps a lot. But you've lost sight of them. Jesus is saying that happens. People hear the word, they're paying attention to the word, and then all of a sudden they get their eyes on something else. And if, and if you could honestly ask God, God, is there something that's getting my attention that doesn't need my attention? What would that answer be? What is getting your attention that... Jesus deserves that attention. But you're giving it to something else. Jesus named some wealth and worry stand at the top of the list. What is it for you? Now here's the last one. The last soil. The fruitful soil. The nutrient-dense soil. The good stuff. Others, verse 20... Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. How do you know that you're good soil? You reproduce. You not only grow, but you reproduce. This is Jesus' intention that he expressly gives to his disciples. And I mentioned just a minute ago, I'll read the quote in full from Jesus at the end of Matthew. He says, then, the, the scriptures say, then Jesus came to them. This is the disciples. This is after his resurrection. This is shortly before his ascension when he goes back up to be with the Father in heaven. And he says this to them. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What Jesus is saying here is if you're a disciple, you should be making disciples. That is your fundamental job as a Christian is to help other Christians become more like Christ. So if you are a follower of Jesus, but you are not helping others follow Jesus you would be hard-pressed to say, I'm that good soil that Jesus is talking about. Because the good soil Jesus is talking about, he's saying the seed's planted, it takes root, it grows, and it reproduces. That's a challenging question, but you've got to ask it. If you're a believer, you've got to ask it. Are you helping other believers believe more deeply, become more faithful, 
grow in the relationship with God? Are you as a disciple discipling others? And if God pricks your heart about that, if you feel the tension there and you say, I'm not, why not? You can start today by simply asking God, God, help me to have eyes to see those in my life whom I can disciple. Parents, if you have kids, you've got little disciples right there. God has blessed you with them. They are in your home. That's your number one job as a parent is to disciple that child in the name of Jesus. Could be neighbors, could be friends, could be co-workers, could be classmates. Ask God, if you are not making disciples and you want to be that fertile soil in which that seed can not only take, take root, not only grow, but also reproduce, ask God, show me, Lord. Show me who in my life I can disciple. Show me where I can get plugged in in my church where I can help make disciples. Show me, God. Let me tell you something. God wants to answer that prayer. He's commanded you to do it. He wants to see you follow through with it. He's ready to answer that prayer. You just got to ask it. You got to turn your attention to it. If you are a disciple of Jesus, your fundamental job is to make more disciples. What is a disciple? It's someone who learns. Not learns primarily from you, but learns through you about Jesus, following Jesus. And Jesus came that they might. Jesus came to sow the seed of the good news that, yes, God knows you. And no, it is not a pretty picture. But even though he knows you completely, I'm here to give you the message. I am the message, Jesus would say, that he loves you fully. You want in on that relationship. You want to know that love yourself, for yourself. That seed that grows in good soil grows in the soil of faith that you believe that Jesus came for you. He died for you. That your sins might be forgiven. He lived a perfect life that you might get his record. He wants you to spend an eternity with him, the Father, and the Spirit, always and forever. He wants that to begin today. And if you want that, it's simply to say, God, I've blown it. I know that. I'm a sinner. Thank you that Jesus came to save me. I believe him. I trust that he is enough. I can't make myself right with you, but I know he did. And I want to just surrender my life to you. Something that simple and that brief, if you trust that, if you trust that message, you're trusting the message that Jesus taught. You're trusting the word that he sowed, and he is sowing it now, even now, in your heart. And you can put your head on your pillow tonight, and you can sleep well because you will know that, yes, God knows me, and that's kind of a scary thing, but you know what? I know also that he loves me because I see it in Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we are grateful that your son Jesus stepped out of heaven to sow this seed of hope. Because without the good news that he came for us, there is no hope. 
but because he did come, because he did sow that seed, because he did call his disciples to make more disciples, who in turn made more disciples, and eventually that got us here, we can know that hope. And I pray that those who are here today that do know that hope would sow the seeds of that hope among the people that you've surrounded them with. And those who do not know that hope would hear so clearly and loudly in their heart, your Holy Spirit is just speaking to them and saying, this stuff is true. I do know you and I do love you. And in Jesus, I, I want to save your soul. They would trust that. And not only would their life be changed, but their eternity would be changed. This is what we pray in the name of Jesus. I'm going to sing a song of response and then a closing song, but I want to invite you to stand with me now. As you do, you may need prayer today. Know you can pray where you are. You can even pray with those around you. But if you want to come forward, I'll be down at front. I would love to pray with you if there's something that you'd like to share with me. We can pray together. But you just listen to what God is speaking to you about. Respond to Him. Talk to Him. Don't leave this place without dealing with the Lord regarding the things that He has been speaking to your heart about. So however he leads, let's respond to him now.